Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Thunder Chats here coming to you with our presenting sponsor once again, betonline.ag. It is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is your always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters BLEAV, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I'm your host, Dylan Huntzinger at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Now that that is out of the way, uh, guys, we are still in the thick of the NBA draft coverage. I think we are 27 days away now. We've had a lot of great guests. We're going to keep the train rolling. But before we get there, I've got to go to my co-host, the one, the only. Just kidding. I can't say that anymore when I'm introducing him. He gets mad. So the Uh second of many, (laughs) Alex Roy. What about? Hey, no, you know it's funny. No, no, no. So, my daughter, my oldest, she uh, she does like daycare at like the Y as like mm. a summer job, and a kid popped up that had my same name, like Alex Roy, and she was like, um, "Have you, you been doing something? You know, <laughs> have have you been?" Do- so, no, I have not been doing something behind you know infidelity wise, but. Yeah, man, like you don't see too many Alex Roy's out there, and there's another one here in my town. So, well, now now I gotta start uh, when I intro you. I gotta say Alex Roy the first. So <laughs> there you that, go. That's how we're gonna do it. But hey, uh, without further ado, we have a guest on the pod. So joining us today is a man that hails from the land of Lincoln. He is an accomplished NBA draft YouTuber. He is a member of the Swish Theory Collective, and is and he is ready to push his chips to the table on his favorite prospects. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy is a true blue chip talent evaluator. Please welcome Chip Jones. Hello, hello. This is a very generous uh, intro there. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad to be here, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Very excited to talk to you. I I remember whenever you came on Down to Dump podcast last year, kind of close to the draft, talked some Thunder prospects. And, you know, yeah, I got to admit, you was one that, like, I, there was a bunch of people that I wish I had on the podcast that I didn't get a chance to, and you were definitely one of them. So you were on my list, like going into the season. So glad we was able to connect and excited to talk shop with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always love talking thunder or draft with thunder people because it's just like such a like compared to the other NBA fan bases, it's just like <laughs> on, on a higher level. I think most draft people will be honest about that. Hey, absolutely. I I I. I 
I love what you're saying. So but let's get into it, man. Before we get into the Thunder, you know, like I said, you are, this is your first time on the pod. Whenever we have a first-time guest, we like to ask a couple background questions just so you know the listeners can kind of get a feel for them. So, uh, obviously, you know, you like basketball a little bit. So, who, who's your favorite team or uh, who was your favorite team before you got kind of got into the scouting thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm from Chicago. I'm, you know, painfully boring, so I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, been been a rough year or so but you know still still carrying on hey nothing wrong with that man i mean you y'all y'all definitely had some good years and uh you know yeah you've, you've got some nice pieces you know you've had to deal with some sure. injuries you've had to deal with some uh rough veterans and you know you've got the the blessing and curse of billy donovan and we know it well so um so and you've, got, you've got a okay. great you've got a great history. Like you can't really Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you've got good times on, on the history, man. That's true. I was technically alive for like four months before the last title from the Jordan. There you go. So I, was, <laughs> I was right there, diehard from day one, you know. There you go. These are the things that count. So um all right, well kind of transitioning from your, you know, your love for basketball and like your fandom. What got you into scouting? You know, this is kind of like a very specific thing, and I know that it's kind of like picked up steams over the past couple of years. Um, but like what what was it that first drew you into it? Yeah, man, I think just really getting to watch the guys grow and like develop was always appealing to me. And then it's, you know, it's kind of the backbone for for team building all the time. You know, most teams aren't successful if they don't draft well. And I was always, Mm -hmm. you know, fascinated with like roster construction and stuff, you know, playing like 2K and, you know, playing the GM mode and stuff and building teams. So the draft kind of always was interesting to me. And then, you know, NBA fans, I mean, like, you know, the players, they get better every year. They add new things, but draft guys, I mean, you get like 60 new guys every year to, mm-hmm. to look into. And so, you know, there's always something new, always something fresh. I love it, man. Yeah. And, you know, you're speaking right to my heart, talking about playing my my GM mode on uh, 2K. I've, I've had many encounters with that. Uh, we, we actually did a live uh, my GM thing, like during COVID and everything over like Twitter, like every week we would like, nice. stream it and do it. Yeah. It was a good time. We won a championship in, I think, 2027, so uh, good times. But, uh, you know, let's kind of stick with the Thunder. You know, obviously you've said some very complimentary things about Thunder already, uh, but kind of talking about who is currently on the roster, uh, what, what's just kind of like your overarching thoughts on the Thunder before we get into, you know, who could be on the Thunder? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, you draft a guy with the number two pick, you're expected to not do very well, and then you almost make the playoffs. So you got to feel pretty optimistic. I mean, they got like probably the best vibes in the league, I think. It's like yes. Jalen Williams and SGA and immaculate, you know, else immaculate there. vibes. Yeah, the vibes are great. The skill sets match. I mean, SGA is like probably the best young guard. Not I don't even mean like Luca, but you know, he's probably one of the best young guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Jalen Williams looks great. I was a huge fan of Chet, still am. So I mean, it, it definitely looks very promising. What's your thought on uh, on Giddy? Oh yeah, oh, that good. guy too. He's pretty good. <laughs> I, I like it's it. It's an important one. Yeah. R- rock solid analysis, Josh Giddy. Yeah. Um, well, hey, let's get into it, man. You know, obviously we've got those big four, but like we're trying to add to that core. We're trying to take the next step forward, try to add somebody that can contribute to the playoff run this year. So, uh, you know, obviously the lottery didn't go as we would have it. It's not as fun to talk Thunder Draft this year because we don't have the number two pick, but we still have number 12 and we've had some good luck with number 12. So, uh, before we get into like, you know, who's around number 12, I just want to ask 
outside of Victor Wimanyama, outside of Scoot Henderson, outside of Brandon Miller, because, you know, those guys are kind of in the tears to themselves. Uh, who is your favorite prospect or who is your favorite fit for the Thunder in the entire draft? It could be in any section, just like ready-made fit. Yeah. Yeah. There's some fun ones. I mean, I, I, I have to contextualize with, I'm very big on not, expecting rookies to contribute to teams that want to make the playoffs year one. I'm very Very adamant on not being like, Hey, we're going to have floor spacing because we're going to draft this kid who can shoot. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. It's a way to set your guys up to fail, but we're looking for someone who can contribute year one. I mean, it's gotta be like case and Wallace probably, right? Just get that point of attack defense out there. You know, you can space the floor. He's a nice secondary creator. So I think if, if you're going for anyone, if you're looking for day one impact, probably case right. Oh, I, I love that, man. Uh, see, I, I don't know if you know this about myself, but I'm a huge Kentucky fan. So, ah. yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you're, you're talking to the right audience right now. But, no, I've, I've been I've been preaching the the case and fit as well. I mean, obviously defense, day one, but, like, he's he has so much more he could show on the offensive end yeah. that he didn't get a show at Kentucky, which is, you know, that's the story for all the Kentucky guards. But uh, I think especially for Kaysen because he played in probably one of the worst spacing situations in like the past like five years at Kentucky. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. But yeah, but I've I've spouted my case and love too many times on this podcast. So let's let's move on to you know number twelve. So in that area, obviously Kaysen could fall in that area, but there are some other players around that area. Um, who's your favorite prospects in you know around that late lottery range that you would like most for the Thunder? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. We've we can't do case and um I feel like Grady probably doesn't make it that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you want like some more like front court depth. Like a forward would be nice. I go. I mean, we'll go. We'll go. Taylor Hendricks probably gonna fall either. Dang, it kind of gets tough there, huh? It's a lot of guards. Yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. Go with, we'll go with the guards. I mean. I like Dariq. I think Dariq would be really nice. Okay. Dariq White. From Duke. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Dariq that I think people need to keep in mind is like on average, there's like 20 players who really stick in the NBA from each draft. And like Dariq, I mean, he was hurt this year, but like he was Mm -hmm. the best player in high school the year before. And then, I mean, he, he can clearly shoot very well. He's very smart. He's a solid defender. He moves the ball well. Like, there's just no way on earth if he's healthy that he's not an NBA player for 10 years. And I think being able to get that and get a guy who can, like, really space the floor for you guys would be super helpful. Okay. I like that, that yeah. That's, yeah. You know, you, so you don't – like, we haven't heard too much about Dariq because of the injury concerns, yeah. because of all that. Um, and so, you know, especially at 12, like, they always say, hey, if you're, if you're picking, like, in 20, 20 plus, he would be a steal there. Um, but at 12, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a risk, but you know, the Thunder have been known to take risk from time to time in the draft. So I could definitely see something like that playing out. Yeah. Derek definitely feels like you guys going to be rising up as we get like very close to the draft. I, I feel like he'll probably end up if not in the lottery, like maybe 15 or 16 at the latest. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy that I just haven't heard a lot about, like since the season ended, um, did he yeah. take part in like the combine stuff? Uh, no, he was, I think he had to get a second surgery because his first surgery mm. got messed up. I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is like the specific types of injuries. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the biggest thing I think is like with foot injuries is like, you can't do anything. Like you yeah. can't 
you can't put any weight on it. So you can't like go get shots mm. up really and stuff like that. So he had a foot injury coming to Duke and like he missed like all like the training camp and stuff. He couldn't like play basketball the entire summer and then just came in. And I mean, he's young for the class too. Dariq is still 18. He's going to turn 19, like I think after he debuts. So, I mean, it's one of the youngest guys in the class too. And I think if you go back and look at like Geico nationals where like the best prep schools are playing against each other, mm-hmm. Dariq was like by far and away the best. He just was like anyone that you want in like the lottery that was at like a top prep school. It's a freshman right now. Dariq was like way better than them last year. All right. I love that, man. Yeah. He was a guy that I kind of highlighted by going into the season, a prospect that I was watching, you know, of course that was before the injury and, you know, everything happened and, you know, as players fall, other players rise up. So, um, but yeah, he was a guy that I kind of highlighted like Alex was saying, you know, trade back into the first round, but you know, if there's a GM that's going to go get their guy, no matter what position it is, draft boards be dang, mock drafts be dang at Sam Presti. So Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, Who else you got kind of in that range that you could see, that you would like to see the Thunder try to go get. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with this year's draft, a lot of it is like, you, you can't really go wrong because there's just a lot of talent in the late end of the lotto. It's probably the best like end of the lotto that we've seen. Like I know 2021 has like been regarded to having like incredible depth. You got even guys like mm-hmm. Jones, IO in the second round, stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, like this back of the lotto here, I think is more talented than 2021's like back into the lotto. So I think you can't really go wrong. Although I guess some of the guards in that range are a bit, a uh, bit iffy. I think like Keontae George would be really nice at a Baylor. I think he just like as a secondary creator is really, really solid. And mm-hmm. he just, you know, when you're looking, I think one thing with the thunder is you want guys, they kind of prefer guys who have like a lot of like skills that they can kind of put together. So guys who can pass dribble and shoot, and kind of do all three at a decent level, yeah. they can kind of refine the game from there. And I think you're looking at guys like Keontae George, he has that. I think Nick Smith Jr. certainly has that. However, I kind of think Nick probably wants a team that's going to give him more usage. And I'm not sure the Thunder necessarily would want to give Nick Smith a bunch of like room to figure things out per se. So mm-hmm. I, I would say Keontae, I think if Grady falls, he'd be great. I think Jet Howard would be really cool. I think his like, again, pass dribble shoot, he's got like the three skills, right. And he can kind of have his game refined by the Thunder's development position to succeed for sure. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about Keontae George because this has kind of been a debate uh, for a little bit of Thunder fans today, actually, because w- one of like the the Thunder fans that does like jersey swaps, he's like doing like all the players jersey swaps each day. And he did Keontae George today and everybody's like, it's just another Trey Mann guy. I like Trey Mann as a prospect more than Keontae George. Like, how do, how do you feel about him compared to Trey Mann as a prospect coming into their respective drafts? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people in that draft had trades, like a late lotto guy. So it's kind of a similar grade for a lot of the draft people I saw. Like, I think draft Twitter was higher than Trey actually went. So they were probably around mm-hmm. this range for him. Um, I would say I think Keontae's better at getting downhill. Like, as this, mm-hmm. when he gets the ball with like a that kind of like half advantage, like, you know, SGA draws the defense a bit and then he kicks and it's a closeout. I think Keontae's way, way better at getting downhill and finishing. And Keontae is like a lot stronger. Yeah. I think Trey is more like flexible and kind of, you know, bendy or whatever you'd like. He's more of a finesse athlete. Keontae is a lot stronger and he's, I think, faster and he's better getting downhill. So I would say he's kind of the better secondary creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that too, because, you know, that's something that uh, Sam Presti and Mark Dignaltz both kind of preached like in exit interviews, like, you know, this team is going to put an emphasis on physicality. Like, you know, they they want to, you know, not necessarily just on the defensive end, like just 
the you know the whole of the basketball court defense offense like they want to play more force more physicality so uh that that's i also really like keontae george in that range uh i'm gonna ask for one more before we move on to the next question you got anybody else in that range before we move from 12 uh from 12 i know there was one we were talking about before the show i don't know if that's what you're trying to lead into hey uh, i don't you, think he's in that put it range. Out whenever you want to well hey because okay, i, I, I feel like very quiet might not be in that range too <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I think Derek's going to move back up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I've so I've been watching Bilal Koulibaly. He's mm-hmm. an interesting one. He's not quite in that range yet, but I do think he's trending that way. I think yeah. it's becoming more, and especially with the Thunder, where people are like, oh, this is definitely a very Thundery pick. Uh, I think Koulibaly's interesting. I would need to, the thing for me is he's a bit confusing. I, I'd want to know more about how he is off the court. Because I definitely think it would like take a year. Because I think you get really scary when you get that place where like he's not really a great shooter yet. He's mm-hmm. like he's not going to come in and probably he's probably not going to shoot your one. And he's super right hand dominant. Like he has like 220, mm-hmm. 210 attempts at the rim. I think six are with his left hand. Oh wow! wow. So like uh, Mets the youth team when he was like handling the ball ton, they did mm-hmm. a really good job of getting him downhill right all the time. And even when he'd be going left, he would like try and slip the PNR, like snake between the defenders and go back right. Um, so, I mean, he's super right-hand dominant and then he can't shoot. And then I think that's where you get into kind of spooky territory where it's, you're not a threat to shoot and teams are just going to force you left. And then it's like, what do you really do? And I think that gets kind of scary. So I think there would probably be a lot of G League reps year one. Yep. So if he's going to come over year one and not like stay overseas for a year, which I feel like if you're drafting in the lotto, you probably don't want him staying overseas for a year. Mm-hmm. I I would want to know how he would react to spending one year mainly in the G League because on the court, he seems like uber competitive. And I feel like those super, super competitive guys that are kind of motivated by that maybe don't react the best to being like, hey, you got to sit on the sidelines for a year. So I would kind of want to know more about him off court wise, just because there's a lot, a lot to like. He's really, really fun, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some issues where I could see it being a bit tricky and like his development path being a bit weird. Yeah, no, I mean that's that that's all great context that like I, I haven't even considered yet. And like you know, I, I'm st- I've started the whole hashtag cool Bali crew, so like I'm I'm the captain and engineer for the Thunder fans on that. So. I was in on him like January and that was like when he was like a second round prospect. But now, you know, like you said, he's like trending up, like he's skyrocketing yeah. up the boards. Um, and like, you know, the things that pop like immediately is just his athleticism, and his defense. Like it's like otherworldly. Um, he's very raw. Absolutely. And, you know, the shooting, I, I think it's, it's trended up since, you know, the beginning of the year, but it's definitely still a work in progress. We yeah. definitely rely a lot on Chip England for that. Um, but in terms of the G League, I mean, you know, that's that's something at least the Thunder are very comfortable with doing. Like, you know, they'll they'll send Usman Jane down there, they'll send Trey Man down there. Like it, it doesn't matter like where you were in the lottery, they'll send you down there if if they need to. And you know, they're they're a team that I've said that they don't waste their G League, like they use it like it's supposed to be. It's not like a banishment to go to the G League, like it's actually there for development. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great context in terms of like, you know, his personality, because, you know, like you said, you know, not everybody is willing to go down the G League or, you know, he might be willing to go down the G League, but the very fact you're going down there might crush your confidence. Like, you know, you might not be uh, be able to come back from that easily. Like, you know, sometimes Trey Mann, you know, kind of struggled coming back from the G League because it felt like a shot at his like ego and playing ability. So, yeah, that's good context. But uh, I 
I, I would still love the Thunder to take him because, like I said, cool ball at crew. But <laughs> I sometimes I sometimes wonder whether as the Thunder shift to more of not as much development and more of like you know developing their team, whether agents will try to steer their their players away from Oklahoma City. Now I know Oklahoma City has had a lot of success in developing players, but as their philosophy changes a little bit, you know, you start to get into like Jeremy Lamb, Perry Jones territory where, you know, you got these guys that are, that have, have potential, but you can't develop it because you're trying to win games consistently. Um, and so like a player like Koulibaly, I wonder if like, or a player like him, I wonder if agents may start to steer them away from the thunder because of where they're at in their rebuild now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting thought, and I feel like Thunder are probably the number one candidate right now for, like, well, I guess the Blazers are, like, begging teams to take this package, but <laughs> of packaging up for, like, another star, I feel like, with all you guys have, you know, agents might be a little afraid that they're going to get dangled as a trade beast come the trade deadline or something. Yeah, that's that's also that's also important context I haven't considered. So, all right, um, let, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. So, in talking about players that fit there, you, you know, you mentioned a couple that you said you might might not be there, but every year there are prospects that end up falling, whether it's at the top half or the bottom half. If somebody was to fall that is projected higher than twelve right now, who do you think those candidates would be? Yeah, I think Asar is probably the number one that comes to mind. I think teams might be really scared by the whole OT, OTE thing, mm-hmm. like more than we give them credit for. Some teams might just not be willing to touch that. And I get it to a certain extent. I mean, Don Barlow is my one. I always say Don Barlow, undrafted from OT last year, went to the Spurs, was like really, really good for their G League team, was like solid in spot minutes for the NBA team. I think he's like a pretty good contributor that came from OT, but mm-hmm. no one ever talks about him, but. I really liked him last year, so I could hype him up. Um, I like it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think Asar is probably the one that comes to mind. I think with how much talent the Thunder would have around him on the perimeter, it could really engage him in like an off-ball role, and it could work really, really well. And obviously, I think, you know, an elite, elite perimeter defense. I know Dort's like very good, but there's some screen navigation, off-ball defense stuff that's a little sketchy there, right? But like, mm-hmm. I think Asar is like a, a lock to be like an all defense, like a perennial all defense guy. Yes. And I think having someone like that on the perimeter could really help. And, you know, Jalen Williams living off like secondary playmaking and cutting a lot of times. I mean, that's as far as bread and butter at the NBA level. So maybe there's a bit of overlap, but I mean, it's a really nice role that maybe you can't get too much of. No, yeah, for sure. I, I think that I was, I mean, he was another guy that I highlighted pretty early. Like, you know, that, that was more of just like going against the grain. Like I don't really see it with all in. like everybody Thinks like I'm is the sexy pick, but Azor does like almost everything that Amin does, and you know I think he projects to be a little bit better of a shooter, um, at least at this stage. Um, but yeah, I've been calling him a defensive demon, and you know, like you said, with like all the stuff he does off court, like the slashing, the cutting, the, and you know, just exploding out 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 of the backdoor cuts. Like I I think that you know if we took him and put him in that role, I think that it would in turn move Jalen Williams to more of like a on ball role. Maybe, you know, when Shea or Giddy's off on the bench or something like that. And, you know, maybe that's how they could balance it. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd be, if I was to 12, I would be ecstatic, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure to go that far, but I do kind of get the vibe that a lot of NBA teams are still pretty scared about this whole OT thing and aren't sure what to do about it. Yeah. No, nah. I mean, I mean, I think the higher possibility is that he falls to 10. And we can maybe move up with, with the Dallas pick and 
you know, yeah. get get him there. I can see that. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely possible. Is there anybody else you could see kind of following, or you feel like you know a lot of it's kind of where it is? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think like maybe Anthony Black jumps out as the one who could fall, but I am like a lot lower than consensus on him. So Me too. <laughs> I, I wouldn't really like, even if he fell to 12, he wouldn't be my best player available. I think I'm like 15th or 16th on my board. So, and I, I, I think it's a fine fit for the Thunder, but I don't really love it. Yeah. yeah be, I, I think you talked about overlap with, uh, uh, with a star. I think that'd be a ton of overlap with yeah. Anthony Black. Yeah, for sure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. That's definitely fair. Well, hey, you know, we talked about players falling, but, you know, when players fall, other players rise up. So uh, you, you kind of talked about a couple of players that could be, you know, reaches there uh, for 12. So let, let's go down to the let's go down to the first round. So let's say, um, you know, somebody falls a little bit later in the first round than was originally projected. Obviously, the Thunder have a treasure trove of assets. They can, you know, pretty much almost get any pick in this draft aside from Victor Wominyama, Scoot Henderson, probably um, say, you know, there was a player late in the first round. Who are some of those players that you would highlight that the Thunder should target? Yeah. I mean, I think one, there's a couple that jump off the page for me. Uh, one is definitely Chris Murray, uh, Keegan's twin brother from mm-hmm. Iowa. I think one of the biggest things that is going to, especially with Chet coming back, that's going to approach the Thunder. And I think that kind of bothers a lot of teams is they go to that five out, right? Everyone can space, everyone can shoot, yes. you play five out. It's like the desired offense. I think one thing that people kind of underrate, and if I think Toronto is like the perfect example of this, is five out can get super, super isolation heavy where the ball just sticks. And it's like the whole thing is that you're going to get some mismatch on the perimeter. And then when you get that mismatch, it's just like that player just isolates and attacks. Mm-hmm. And the offense stops flowing as well as it does. And I think that there can be concerns with that. And I think one of the best ways to avoid that is to get a guy who's like very strong frame, super comfortable screening and can like also attack, make decisions, pass, you know, can pop out for a shot, can keep your offense a lot more dynamic. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of times teams have to get someone on the, on the court to screen, but they don't actually have someone who's like, really offensively skilled and can screen. And so I think when you get those players, you don't have to put the guys who are less talented on the court, which definitely helps offense a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Chris is like a perfect example. Chris and Keegan both screened a ton at Iowa for being such high usage players. And they're just super comfortable playing out of that. They have like the strong frames. Chris's shot is not as good as Keegan's, but he's not as explosive an athlete. Like we talked about kind of with the Trey man Keontae thing. Keegan's more like Keontae he's stronger. He's a bit more explosive. Maybe Chris is like way more flexible and like moves a bit differently. And I think he's a really creative passer, which Keegan's kind of robotic and not much of a passer. And Chris is like much more developed with his handle. So I think as a guy who can like screen and like dribble and pass and he can't quite shoot if he could, he would probably be picked as high as his brother did, but Mm -hmm. he can't shoot. So not as good, but it's, there's indicators that it's all right. And I still think he's a really interesting player. Okay. Where where do you where do you slot him at? Where do you see him kind of? What range do you see him falling in? I think I am seventeenth, but 17th. he was projected there, but now he's getting projected in like the twenties. Okay. Okay. 
I like that. Anybody else is kind of in that range that you like for the Thunder? Yeah, I mean, i i talked I talked to uh, to I talked about this in the in the DMs with you before this, but mm-hmm. I mean, Maxwell Lewis is like my guy for the Thunder. Yeah, but I don't know if we want to save that one for later because I know in the outline you had some like. Uh, well, you, you can go back. You, yeah, you you can go back to that if you want to. That's fine. Um, did you have anybody else before we move on to the next topic, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the last one would be. You know, it worked once. Why not grab the Santa Clara guy again? The Brandon yeah. Pajemski. Mm-hmm. He, odds. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's still projected. I'm looking at the consensus board on rookie scale. He's 35th right now. I don't think he makes it past 20 in the actual draft. He's going to go pretty yeah. highly. So, uh, yeah, like you see, him, you really see him all around the place on different models. Yeah, I think – Again, you go back to like what we mentioned with Derek, where it's like there's like 20 guys every year that really stick. Like Pods, it's like a crazy rebounder for a guard. It's kind of like that. Like Pat Pat Connaughton was like my comp for a lot of the time. Yeah, where it's just like crazy rebounder, spaces the floor, like puts a lot of effort. In. I don't think Pods is at that level defensively of like Connaughton, but he's like also able to like operate out of a pick and roll and hit a step back three, which <laughs> gives you way more value on offense. Mm-hmm. So I think Pods is like a ancillary wing guys like sensational kind of like Jalen Williams not quite to that level Jalen's I think going to be way better than he is but but pods is still really good and like definitely a guy you would want in your rotation yeah he's a he's a good passer too for his position so yeah I I really like pods as well um yeah his the the athletic testing kind of blew me away at the combine I was not expecting that (laughs) he did he did cheat so yeah I I saw I saw that (laughs) Yeah, he was one of like the six or seven players this year that were caught doing that. So just to clarify on that, uh, basically the way that they measure your max vertical jump is they measure your maximum standing reach, and Mm -hmm. then they set the Vertec machine to that, and then you jump, and it's how many inches above your max standing reach did you hit on the Vertec machine? How many inches do you get minus your max standing reach? That's your max vertical jump. So what some players have started doing is like when they're measuring for their max standing reach, they'll like shrug their shoulders and like not wear socks and stuff. So their max standing reach is a couple <laughs> inches shorter. So then when they jump, they get a higher vert number and their max standing reach is lower. So then it subtracts by a lower number and you get a mm-hmm. few extra inches because pods had measured a standing reach like four inches higher than the one he measured at the combine at an event wow. before. So his 39 inch vert is maybe like 35, 36 really. Man. But that's still really good. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, if if you're gonna cheat, man, you got to be consistent with it. You got to cheat at all the events so you don't get caught. But yeah, no. <laughs> well, well, hey, he's a <laughs> cheater. Hey, he's a cheater. So that you know, the Thunder draft people, not players. So <laughs> it's over for that. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what though, Jalen Williams would probably be excited. I think Jalen Williams actually recruited him to uh, come to San, Santa Clara uh, whenever they, he transferred from Illinois. I think I heard that from somebody. So that. Yeah, that, that, that I mean that would be fun either way. Um, okay, let's kind of let's kind of look at the second round, man. So right now we have pick thirty-seven and pick fifty. Uh, I, I like a lot of prospects in this second round. I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, if is there anybody in the second round that you really like for the Thunder? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple that couple that jumped to mind off the bat: uh, Amari Bailey from UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was someone I wasn't necessarily as high on until the combine scrimmages which you saw last year with Peyton Watson at UCLA. He like barely played as a freshman and he came in as a really highly rated recruit, barely played, didn't really do much. Nuggets end up drafting at the bottom of the first round. He looked really good for the Nuggets when he played this year. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said about that UCLA team right now, kind of 
not necessarily showcasing pro talent super well. And I think Amari, what he was able to show in the combine scrimmage is making a bunch of peck and roll reads. I think he had nine assists in a combine scrimmage game, which is like crazy for a six five like wing, basically. Mm-hmm. So I mean he's a he's a good passer. The shots, you know, maybe it gets there, but I mean he's a good athlete, he's a good passer. I think he's like, you know, a very capable like ball handling, passing, shooting projection for a second round pick. Uh I would also say like Julian Strother from Gonzaga. I think we're yeah. finally getting Julian Strother this year. Because as a draft guy, he's been top 40 for everyone for like three years now. Maybe That's this crazy. is the year that he finally <laughs> actually, like, I think he's actually doing it this time. So Julian yeah. Stroth there keeps going back to try and get the first. Not sure what happened, but early second round, you could get a great player. Really cool athlete, fun defender, 3 and D guy. Just, you know, a, a nice guy to have in your rotation. He's got legitimate size. I think he measured like 6'7", mm-hmm. two, 210-ish. So nice forward dad to the group. Uh, yeah, and then the, the last one I had written down here for this one was uh, Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. Uh, Walsh came in, yes. super, super highly rated recruit, uh, went to Arkansas. First half of the year, like, did not, almost just didn't play pretty much. Like, he started playing and then he got out of the rotation, and then he came back in. Uh, from what I've been told, Walsh kind of came into Arkansas. For context, he's like a 6'8", 220, 19-year-old forward with, like, crazy wingspan and athleticism, just an elite, elite athlete with, like, legitimate, like, power forward size. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, coming into Arkansas, he thought the way that he was going to get in the NBA was by, like, scoring shots off the dribble, and he just, like, can't shoot, really. <laughs> <laughs> so that did not go well for him. They were like, we're not going to play you if you're going to do this type of thing. Um, but then I think, like, halfway through the season, he kind of figured it out and started talking to the coaching staff about what players he should model his game after. And I think one that came up was Jared Vanderbilt. So he tried mm-hmm. to start playing, like, Jared Vanderbilt. And all of a sudden, he started flying back up draft boards and getting mentioned again as this, like, uber-defensive athlete transition energy guy. Big wing, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, he's been super fun as a result. Yeah, I really like him. I know uh... – uh, I mean, just add another one to the Thunderhogs at that point. I think that would be our third Arkansas player. So I know we've got a few Arkansas Thunder fans that would be very excited. But, yeah, no, I, I really like his energy. He's he's super thundery in terms of, like, you know, his size and, you know, his uh, his defense for sure. Uh, Strother, he's he's the guy for me, man. Like, if he's there at 37, like, you sprint to that podium because, like you said, all, the basketball fit aside, like, uh, I, I'm of the opinion whenever you can pair college teammates together, it equals success. Julian Strother, Chet Holmgren, you know, they, they can help each other kind of like, uh, I guess, accustom themselves on their both of their respective rookie years. So um, I, I really like that, you know, on court and also like off the court. So, yeah, if he's there at 37, man, like, and we don't take him, I, I will, I will rage. <laughs> <laughs> those are always the frustrating ones because when you get to like especially like whenever i'm watching like the nfl draft you get to like the third fourth round and you'll have like one dude who are like this guy was supposed to go like 25th and everyone else i don't even care they're nowhere near that you know you get yeah. to the second round and you're like dude i got this guy like 18 spots higher than anyone else or you could yeah. be like the bulls and you draft the guy at 18 that i had ranked lower than the guy you got undrafted but you know <laughs> like start going crazy raging at the what are you doing Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that was like Josh Giddy a couple years ago. Like, you know, everybody, everybody and their mom thought uh, James Booknight was going to go six. And, you know, thankfully he didn't. But like, you know, we didn't know Josh Giddy had met with the Thunder. Like he was like lower lottery on most people's boards. And it was like, what are, what are we actually doing, Presty? Like we have Shea. He's our point guard. Like what is going on? Mm-hmm. 
but it worked out. What about uh? So I know at fifty, there's a couple guys that I've kind of seen, um, kind of move up. So Omax, um, and then uh, Ben Shepard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Omax, I he was someone I really liked throughout the year. Uh, my friend uh, Nima, finding Nima, uh, twenty three on Twitter. He what he's a been big on, Yeah, he's been great. <laughs> he's been he's big on he's been big on Omax all year. Been preaching Omax. So I think Omax is. He's definitely interesting. My concern would be if you search for players that have his assist to turnover and assist to usage numbers as like forwards coming to the draft. If you yeah. go look at the guys who have those numbers, just none of them worked. It just mm-hmm. never has worked basically. So it's like, if you're a forward and you're not a high volume score that like assist to turnover assist to usage is like pretty, Very. it's pretty indicative. Like if it, if it doesn't look good for you, it just usually doesn't work. And you can go on to like Bartorvik.com and go look it up. You can go through their database. It goes back to like 08, go all time and look for forwards who had like really bad assist usage, assist turnovers that got drafted. It's not a great list to be a part of. And Omax falls into that one. If you want a different, different forward that's similar ish sort of right. But doesn't fall on that Tumani Kamara from Dayton. Uh, mm-hmm. Tumani, I was yeah. at Portsmouth Invitational. Tumani was like the best. Like Tumani was so good after the first game that no one actually thought he was going to play another game at Portsmouth Invitational because it was just one game. It was like, yeah, this guy's just way better than everyone else here. Yeah. And then he had like twenty. He had almost like twenty and twenty. <laughs> he's a Man. forward. Crazy. He's a Belgian forward who played at Dayton. Crazy, crazy athlete. And I think the thing that really makes him stand out is he's like a six legitimate six, seven forward who can create rim pressure from the perimeter, like without needing a screen. Like he can get to the rim without a screen as an actual forward, which is like crazy. He can't really shoot yet, but I mean, you got that athleticism and that ability to get to the rim like that. And I think he's also a pretty solid rebounder. That's a pretty interesting profile for someone who's going to be available that late in the draft. Yeah. So you think he would be available like in that like 50 range? Yeah, I think he could. He could go higher, but second round picks, it's hard to say this far out. Like when you're a week before, you kind of start getting knocked down. Like, okay, this guy is going to get drafted. This guy isn't. But I think he could. I, I don't think he's going to go back. I'll tell you that much. I think he's definitely going to stay. And I don't think he'll go above like 40. So he could be. Wow. I got gotcha. you. And then yeah. uh, Ben Shepard, how would you feel about him? Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of Ben Shepard. He's interesting, but I think Ben Shepard was another one who fell into the Omax thing. I'm pretty sure he was oh, another really? forward. Oh, no. I don't know. If it, maybe it was – he's got some – his analytics were, like, not great at Belmont. I can pull him up. But, but yeah, no, he's, 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 his, his assist numbers are better. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, can shoot. Yeah, he can shoot. Got good I, think he, I think he's, like – I think he seems fine. He seems not offensive. Although I, I haven't really watched him a ton, so I don't want to comment too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I want to ask about another guy that kind of performed uh, pretty well at the combine, uh, not getting as much shine as those guys though, or pods uh, Seth Lundy out of Penn state. Uh, he kind of put on a display shooting the ball. And I know for one, we have a thunder fan uh, shout out Keenan. Who's a Penn state fan. Also uh, he, he was pushing him all year, I think kind of joking. And then he came out and like did this at the combine. And I was like, wow, he might legitimately be drafted. But how, how do you feel about Seth Lundy? And uh, do you think he could end up with thunder? I actually don't think Seth Lundy will fall to 50. Oh, okay. from what I've heard with like all the, I have a friend working at the place he's training. From what I've heard, like off court, everyone loves him. Like he's just a super, super lovable guy, which teams want guys they want to work with and like add to their culture. And yeah. he's just been like every workout he's been in, he's just cooked everyone else there. So I, I actually think Ooh. Seth Lundy's can end up going quite high. So 
it's not so, like a first time. He, he has like a plus six wingspan. Like yeah. those guys are usually those guys that can score in all three levels. Those guys usually are are shooting up the boards at this time. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think Seth Lundy won't probably won't make it a fifty. What range would you say he would be in? Like, is he a guy at thirty-seven? You you think the the Thunder should try to get, or would you rather, you know, one of the other guys that you said? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I, I wouldn't be offended by it. I think it would mm-hmm. be a good pick. I, my thing is with the right now is just with the level of guard skill that you guys have with like Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, SGA. I think Lundy's like six four. I'm kind of like, unless you're getting like a Keontae, like lottery level guard, mm-hmm. I'm not super big on any of the second arm guards just because I'm not sure the minutes will be there. Yeah, that uh, that's a hundred percent fair. Yeah. That, that's kind of, that's kind of been my argument with like the guards, you know, with the near the top part of the lottery is, you know, yeah. there are guys that can like compete with Trey man for that like six man spot because I'm not giving up on Trey man yet because you know, the flashes we saw in year one, but we saw some uh, dark points in year two. So you know, we got to see which one of those went out in year three and like what kind of player he actually is, but he, he has potential to get left behind, especially if we take a guard, you know, that high in the draft. But yeah, I, I understand, you know, the, the drafting for knee drafting for fit uh, kind of late in that spot, probably not the best. Um, you know, usually in the second round, you know, you, you kind of swing for uh, some high upside guys. Do you have any high upside guys that you can see the Thunder taking a swing on? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, I think if he ends up staying in the draft, there's like a I think so. If Judah Mintz stays in the draft, I think Judah Mintz would be a good one. Um, people really really liked him coming out of high school, and I think he showed why at Syracuse. He's like weird because he's a guard, but he like doesn't take threes, but he like just takes a truckload of mid range jumpers. Oh wow! And if you look at guys, if you look at, and I know that doesn't sound great. I know I'm not, I'm not really selling him here, but I promise. This is, this is, this is from a Chicago fan who Demar Derozan is probably your favorite oh, player. But. I'm a, I'm a dejected Chicago fan. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, but here's the, here's the thing you got to keep in mind, right? If you go look at the guys who have taken like a ton of mid-range jumpers at like that level of efficiency in college as judah it's like an incredibly good list of players like it's not at all like the mid-range guys it's like guys like devin booker tyler harrow uh, i think tj warren there's a lot of guys who like didn't really necessarily take that many threes in college or shoot mm-hmm. that well from them that took like that many mid-ranges and were able to create that space and shoot from because a lot of times i mean he's 19 and he's like 6'4 175 he just might not actually be strong enough to consistently get the threes there from like NBA range at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you get a year or two, you add the like 10 pounds of muscle or whatever. Right. All of a sudden he can hit those threes. And I mean, you could have a crazy, crazy good player as a guard that low in the draft. I know we just talked about not going guard, but <laughs> I do think if you're at 50 Judah's upside is too good. Uh, I also think uh, this is going to be a big sleeper. You've probably never heard of him, but Zach Eady from Purdue. Oh, God. Big boy. Yeah. I mean, big boy. <laughs> he's good. He's mm-hmm. the way he can move at his size is good. He's a great rebounder. He's a, he's good at passing when he gets doubled. We saw that at Purdue. We saw that against Fairleigh Dickinson. He got doubled every possession and made the right pass, and his team just missed every shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I get the, the the like slow-footed college big thing, but I don't actually think he's that slow. I think he's really good. I think he, there's like obvious things he's good at. I don't buy open gym workout shooting, so I don't care about the video that came out of him hitting mm-hmm. threes. I don't care. 
Um, but I mean, he's got good touch. He moves well for his size. He's a good rebounder. I think the upside of him being like an actually productive NBA center is definitely there. Cause I mean, he is seven, four, 305 pounds. I mean, with pick 50, if we can get a victory cigar, like Boban or like taco fall, I'm down, man. Like we need <laughs> that guy on our bench. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing I would say that's different is I actually think Edie, like those guys, like, yes, they're big and they're kind of like very niche. I actually think Edie could be like very good. He actually could be like he's actually like a legitimate basketball player that like happens to be that size. Mm-hmm. Like I, so, I see, I, I see him playing. I see a little bit of of Zubac, but of course at a like a slower range. But I do see a little bit of Zubac with his movements and with his touch around the rim. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's value in getting a guy that big with the NBA going so small. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he can move. He's not like a mobile. He's a real mm-hmm. like for his size. He's incredible at moving. Yeah, he gets uh, he gets back in transition really well for his size for sure. Um, there's a, there's actually, I have an outstanding bet with uh, one of my Twitter followers that he does not go in round one. They, they are of the mindset that he is in round one. So hopefully that lands me 20 bucks, uh, at the end of this draft cycle. So, uh, how do you feel about my, my chances there, Chip? Uh, can I get in? <laughs> I'll also put 20 on we'll, split, we'll split the pot, man. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, let's see here. Uh, one of the guys I was going to ask you about, you know, I just – we had Matt Babcock on earlier this week, and he had mocked Imani Bates uh, at pick 50 for us, which I know, uh, you know, personality-wise does not screen Thunder player at all. But upside-wise, you know, whenever, you know, you take a risk on somebody that, you know, was once the top of the class. Like I was very much of the mindset, like we should draft BJ Boston and like the first pick of the second round in his draft, because, you know, he was top five at the beginning of the year and, you know, might as well kick the tires on it, you know, that late. Um, but Matt actually pitched the idea of, you know, with Amani being such a terrible, like, you know, shot, uh, shot selection guy, you know, he pitched the idea of, kind of running him through screens so like you know because he's a good three-point shooter like he has like good three-point shooting touch and you know he can shoot over the top of guys with his height and everything but his problem is he gets the ball in his hands he starts dribbling he puts his head down the tunnel vision and then he forces terrible shots but you know if you get him in situations where you run through screens you get him in spot up situations and he's just shooting off the catch then he could actually be a weapon. How do you feel about that? And how do you feel about Amani Bates just kind of period as a prospect at this point? Yeah, I mean, if you can convince Amani to become a system guy, you've done some great things. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, if he buys a new system, there's definitely a player there that can be interesting. I mean, I feel like he's going to be like an utter liability on defense, like a yeah. significant, significant liability. Um, you know, he, fortunately for him, the, this combine helped him a lot because before his first year at Memphis, they did a combine at Memphis and he, I think measured with a negative two inch wingspan and like a 24 inch max vertical. And so people were like, this dude's less athletic than my grandma. This dude's (laughs) not going to play in the NBA. Then he went to this combine and he tested like not great, but I mean, it was better than 24 inch max vert negative two inch wingspan. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think, yeah, he, you could draft him if you wanted. But I, I think they're – I'm not sure he's, like, going to be that good of a shooter to warrant that because, I mean, I guess you're looking yeah. for, like, a Duncan Robinson-type shooter at that point, sort mm-hmm. of, right? Yeah. I'm not quite convinced Imani's that good of a shooter, but maybe. 
Yeah, no, hey, 100%. I I understand. Just wanted to present the option. Uh, there was a, one other guy that he kind of pitched, and this is another upside play, and he actually might not even stay in the draft at this point, but Julian Phillips out of Tennessee. Uh, how, how do you feel about him, his game, and his potential fit with the Thunder? Yeah, I mean, if Julian Phillips stays in, definitely would be an interesting one. And I think the Thunder are one of the few teams that could, like, take a guy that raw and really actually develop him into something. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what they come out with. I would be very surprised if he stayed in the draft. I yeah. Think, like, I would think, like, 99% he's not going to stay. I feel like he's done himself a lot of good by doing all of this because he's definitely raised his stock after a underwhelming year at Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think the Thunder could develop him. I wouldn't. Be like, I wouldn't be over the moon about it, but like, I, I wouldn't be like looking to get him in the first round. I mean, no, if you go to no, him no, at no. 37, I wouldn't be mad about taking mm-hmm. the swing. Uh, I'm not the huge, biggest Julian Phillips guy, but I mean, he's definitely like a crazy, crazy, crazy athlete. So you've got yeah. that. And I mean, he has, he has decent levels of skill for being that athletic and he's super yeah. young. Yeah, I, I saw uh, news that Kentucky's actually trying to reach out to him. So I hope he takes out of the draft and, you know, we get him in the transfer portal because right now I think we have seven active roster uh, players for next year. So uh, do that, Julian. Um, all right, man. Kind of looks like he has had four active roster players last year. So it's yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> the shots at UK. I love it. All right, here we go. Let's get into the the fun part of the draft here. So, um, or not, not the draft, but the podcast. So, Based off our current picks, pick 12, 37, and 50, what is a fun draft combination for the Thunder for guys in those range? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I put for 50, I put Arthur Kaluma from Creighton. Mm. Uh, I think Kaluma is a really good rebounder. I would be shocked if he didn't go to Portland because he played for Team Uganda and uh, Schmitz was involved with the Team Uganda stuff. So I feel like he is like a connection and might really want to get him. But I think Kaluma is a really good rebounder. He's a really creative ball handler and he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, the shots not quite there, but I think like with his athleticism and like rebounding and kind of handle creativeness and kind of creation abilities, he's definitely a really interesting one as like a guy who can, the hardest thing out of shooting, dribbling and passing to develop is dribbling. He can dribble. He can already provide value as like a rebounder and an athlete. And he's a pretty good defender. So, I mean, if you've got like Chip England, you can, if you can teach that guy to shoot, he'd definitely be a very valuable player. So I had him in at 50 like that uh, at 37. I was torn between Strother and Amari Bailey here, but I went with Amari Bailey. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> I, I think either would be it's like a very, very fun pick. I think mm-hmm. I'm really interested in this idea that like the UCLA system just doesn't show these guys. And I think Amari Bailey was like the number two player on like the consensus ranking index coming into the year. So I mean I mean I mean you just look at the you just look at mock drafts now. Like you have a Dembona, you have um, you know, Amari Bailey. You just have guys that you can tell NBA scouts look at them and see potential, but I think the system kind of brings them yeah. down. Yeah. So I went I went with Mari Bailey, and then I went with my fun pick, my one my one that I told you that I think is going to happen as my 12, which is yeah. Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. That's my that's that's my big thunder thing. Is I think like the the most thunder thing is they're going to they're going to take Maxwell Lewis at 12 and no one's going to see it coming and it's going to everyone's going to freak out. I think it's going to happen. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about Maxwell Lewis. Yeah. 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 So Maxwell Lewis played at Pepperdine in the past two years. They won like 14 games over the last two years, maybe not a super <laughs> winning program. Shockingly did have two very legitimate considered first round prospects coming to this year in Houston Mallet and Max Lewis. Um, Max is six, seven, really, really good athlete. Um, I think he's like two listed, like two ten. Um, Max is like, 
an incredible like creative shot creator like his bag of moves is like incredible he's constantly like he's very good with like not like triple threat type jab steps but he loves taking these super long strides that help him get to the rim because he's so big and Mm -hmm. he also kind of leverages that right where he'll take this really long first step and then combine that into a step back and he creates tons of separation on that his shooting numbers at the beginning of the year he was shooting like 50% from the mid-range, 40% from three, 80% from the line. And he was like mocked in the lotto by everyone at like the way too early, like not like, you know, a month into the season. Yeah. Uh, then his shooting numbers kind of tailed off. Pepperdine went on their usual 30-game losing streak to end the year. <laughs> and he kind of has fallen down boards. But I think with his like ability to, you know, stride towards the basket. And I think one of the big things is a lot of guys can go like, you know, straight, like called like straight line drivers. One mm-hmm. of the things with Max is he has like pretty fluid hips and his, he gets a lot of rotation of his knees when he's going vertically. So he can go vertical, but also turn the corner while like striding towards the rim without needing to take some like horizontal adjustment step, which lets him kind of turn the corner on his drives and get a lot of really easy finishes at the rim as a driver. I think at someone who's legitimately, I think he measured in, like he was like six, six and a quarter without shoes. So he'd probably be like six, seven and three quarters, basically six, eight with shoes. So I'm mean, a guy who's six, eight, really good athlete, incredible, like footwork and skill as a ball handler. And there's a lot to like there as a shooter. I think Max Lewis in terms of like what the thunder look for. And also from what I've heard off court, like he's just like a great dude to be around. Everyone loves being around him. So people really like, like him as a personality guy, great footwork, great skill with the ball very competent shooter. I I definitely buy him being able to shoot. I think his creation is great. And I think his footwork and his like ability to stride is something you don't often see. And I mean, if you get a guy who's like that good athletically at like six, seven, who can really create shots, it's really, really enticing. I do have to counter this. I've talked him up. He Uh, is like maybe one of the worst, like current skill defenders I've seen, (laughs) which is probably part of why like, it's like, he just does not, He's not doing anything on that end, mm-hmm. uh, but he's super athletic and he started late. I think he didn't start playing organized basketball until like junior or senior year of high school, really. So he's a late starter who came into a college that's not really competitive at the moment. So he's never really been in a great context to develop defensively and he has all the tools to do it. Mm-hmm. So he could get there, but I mean, getting a guy who's like that athletic that can create shots that well is not something that you can commonly get at like a lot of guys who can create shots and stuff like that you're looking at like a brandon miller or an amen thompson or something i mean amen thompson's more finishing but you're looking at like a brandon miller those are the guys who go top five guys who are like six seven and can create and knock down perimeter shots and also get to them those are top five picks and max lewis has a lot of those things as a i think he's a younger sophomore so i think he's maybe gonna turn 20 this year but i mean i i really think he just fits exactly what the thunder look for Man, I can't lie. When you were describing like his driving game, like it, it, like if you wasn't talking about Maxwell Lewis, and I just heard your description, I, I would think he was talking about Shea, with like yeah. his long strides, his like long first step, his quick step backs, his weird angles he takes getting to the rim. So I mean, I, I was, I was in on Maxwell Lewis, and I thought he was just like a pure shooter, and like you know his shooting stroke is absolutely pure, like you said, like he. He had good percentages from three-point. He projects to be a good three-point shooter, but I hadn't even considered, like, the driving game. So, like, I'm – 
yeah, he, he was a guy that I kind of have in my like fringe lotto, like late lotto range. And, you know, I'm still playing on my board, you know, as you know, we learn more and more about these prospects, but he's, you know, whenever you said that, you know, your bold prediction, like right off the bat was Maxwell Lewis to the Thunder at 12. And that was like a month ago and you haven't wavered. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that had me excited. Yeah. I mean, I, the current consensus board is in 26th right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the thing is I don't actually have him like that high on my board. Cause my board is like broadly NBA focused, but if I'm like Spurs, Thunder, Raptors, like I think that like Thunder, Raptors are 13th, right? Are they 14th? They're 13th. Pelican okay. 14th, yeah. That 12, 13. I don't think Max Lewis is making it past that 12, 13. I really do think one of those two are going to just grab him because his tools are so good. Maxwell Lewis looks like if Shea Gilgis Alexander and J and J Dub had a baby together. <laughs> hey, I mean, like that's yeah, what like, he looks like. That's how he plays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he really just, for me, it's just like, it's the most like Thunder player in the draft. I would like, I would be pretty surprised if like, I, I really, it's like a crazy prediction because no one really is thinking this type of thing, but I, I genuinely am like very confident that like the Thunder are just going to take him at 12. I would like it. I mean, the, the only question I have is on the defensive end because we've seen how much Mark Degnault specifically like values defense and like yeah. how, how much uh, not only, the, you know, actually like producing, actually trying to, and actually like knowing where you're supposed to be defensively, like how much he that plays into getting on the court. You know, you think back to Trey Man's rookie year and the whole Skittles over broccoli comment and, you know, the games that Trey was doing the right things defensively, he would stay in the game. And then the games where he, you know, was kind of all over the place is when he would get pulled out. So, uh, I mean, you said he has the tools and like that was a question I was going to ask, but would you say he has the want to to play defense or have you, is it like too hard to tell? Everything I've heard off court is that everyone, like everyone who's interacted with him loves him. He's like a great dude to be around. He's super nice to like all the staff members there. Like even the dudes like, you know, running the, the lowest intern on the totem pole, he takes like interest in them and he's a great guy. So like from everything I've heard, he's like a phenomenal dude off the court. Also, I do have to correct myself. I just checked that I was wrong. He's going to be 21, not 20. Okay. Gotcha. Well, hey, I mean, I, I'm still I'm on board with it, man. I mean, just like you said, for all the offensive stuff, and uh, you know, as Alex joked, but also like is very true, and something Presti has said, like he drafts people, not players. And you know, if he really is as a good person as you know so many people are saying, then he's absolutely, I think, it's going to be on Thunder's radar. If they, you know, if they, whenever they meet with him, they interview with him. I think it'll do him well. So, uh. Chip, we are right about at the hour mark. Uh, I haven't got a text saying I'm getting divorced yet, but I'm not going to push my luck. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. It was awesome getting to talk shop, talk draft with you. Uh, I mean, you, you brought up a lot of context that, you know, I, I haven't even considered. You brought up some things that we hadn't heard before, so I appreciate your perspective. I uh, just want to give you a chance to, you know, plug anything you're working on, where people can find you, and, uh, you know, the floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I run a scouting service with some friends called uh, Swish Theory. So anything that's up on there, you know, I've helped get out there and stuff like that. So, I mean, theswishtheory.com for that. I work for a YouTube channel called Thinking Basketball. We have 500,000 subscribers today on YouTube. So oh, very uh, nice. any video on there is really good. We have a Shea Gilgis Alexander video from the earlier in the year. That was actually my scouting package. So I watched like 20 Thunder games for that. So uh, check that out. And other than that, that's that's pretty much all I got. Enjoy the draft. All right, man. Definitely appreciate it. Once again, you know, appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, yeah, Thunder Film Room, uh, Yosef, he's on Swiss Theory, right? Yes, he is. Yosef's a good friend of mine. Love Yosef. 
Yeah, Yosef, Yosef's a good guy. We've had him on the pod a few times. Love him. But uh, all right, man. Yeah, uh, awesome talking to you. Uh, hopefully, you. It, it, hopefully we get to see some Maxwell Lewis in a Thunder jersey. And if we do, we'll <laughs> we'll come back to you and give you all the credit. But uh, until then, on behalf of myself and Alex, I hope everybody has a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, Thunder up. Thunder up. Your Thunder up. Yeah. yeah. He catches on quick. I do. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.